Building a business ain't easy. It takes hard work, dedication, and strength. This is Success Failed with Philip Long. Must know tips for executives going through the trials and tribulations of growing their own business. Now, here's your host, Philip Long. Cyber Attack of the Month. I want to talk a little bit about a particular very local event that I was engaged in that had to do with someone that was spoofing faxes. And what it all came out to be is where they were, it was four wire transfers, and somebody was grabbing the person's fax, modifying it, and then forwarding it with a different routing number and name so that the money would be sent to a particular, a different account uh, rather than, of course, the uh, account that it was intended for. And the, the overall process was due to the fact that the sending person that was sending the fax uh, via email, they were basically forwarding a PDF attachment of a, of a fax that came in. They didn't have the proper DNS registration on their uh, sending email account. This is really pretty technical, but I don't want to get too technical so that you can't stay with me. But the reality is, is that sending email is a very dangerous thing as it relates to whenever you're going to wire money or you're going to have personal identifiable information. There was a couple of ways that this could have been solved. Number one, the fax should have been going over a secure fax. And there's really some very easy ways to set up secure email or secure faxing that most organizations haven't deployed yet and they're leaving themselves really wide open. And that's especially uh, for organizations like title companies, for um, money brokerage people, for um, organizations that do like refine. Of course, we know the market's really hot. Uh, the real estate market's really hot. So there's a lot of that stuff going around. The second part that I want to touch on is that you can actually set up inside of your, it's called DNS. It's domain name server for your, the people who can send email on your behalf. And a lot of companies don't have the DKIM or SPF records. And I don't, again, I'm not going to get too technical, but they don't have them set up so that people can't spoof off of them. And what's happening is that organizations are basically sending on your behalf uh, emails, and that's easily stopped. The challenge of it is, is that if I set myself up correctly, then I'm going to protect so that no one could spoof off of me, but ultimately I'm only doing it right for me. So everybody's got to take an ownership and set it up correctly from for themselves, and then the whole world uh, prospers from that. So this, again, is a little bit technical, but it uh, has relates to sending secure emails, secure faxes, as well as setting up your DNS records correctly within your mail uh, server. And if you'd like to have more information on that, I'd love to talk with you because for small business, email compromise is one of the 
at the very top, probably in the top 90%. If you could get your emails uh, set up correctly, you're going to lower your overall cybersecurity threat uh, tremendously. So this will be one that I'll probably, you'll have to reach out to me. And again, I'm open, no obligation, no commitment. I'd be happy to talk to you about how to set that up because it's essential for us to stop these cyber criminals and setting up your email server correctly so people can't spoof off of you. Sending a secure email is going to go so far in securing your network. Interview an expert. Now, let me introduce you. We have a special guest, Mr. Mark Fox, on with us. Uh, welcome to the program, Mark. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Philip. I appreciate it. Yeah, really glad to have you. And I'll tell you, of any guest I've ever had, you are probably what you do. And I'm going to let you tell everybody what you do here in just a second. But what you do, I know uh, the least about. So I'm going to be a true uh, question guy today because I'm, I need to understand what exactly you do. So tell us what you do. Yeah, so uh, I work with CBG Health and we are healthcare consultants. We work with employers and we build custom health plans uh, for those employers that aimed at uh, lowering costs and increasing benefits. Gotcha. And of course, healthcare being one of the fastest rising costs for business. I know mine goes up every year. Uh, I don't believe it's ever gone down. Um, and so it's definitely one of those line items on the, uh, you know, in the chart of accounts that we want to keep our eye on as a business owner. So, all right, so I want to kind of talk a little bit more about, you know, how you help businesses. And, you know, one thing that that I have heard and I often believe is that the um, the way that healthcare works is very different than the way any other system works in the world. And I think what ruined it was the $5 copay. So, it took us out of knowing or wanting to understand the cost of how much a procedure actually cost. So talk to me a little bit, kind of, let's just use that as a jumping off point from a standpoint of, because, you know, from a employee standpoint, all your employees want to know is uh, what drugs are covered, how much is the copay, um, you know, who's in network, you know, what doctors are in network and all that. So let's talk about that from a standpoint and then expand on it with how you would consult me as a guy that has 50 employees. And, you know, of course, I'm with Blue Cross Blue Shield. We'll kind of get started like that. What would be the first steps in understanding what you do? Yeah, from an employee perspective, when you're dealing with, you know, a copay and you're going to a doctor or a pharmacy, uh, unfortunately, uh, the industry has created this uh, boundary line of that's all you're allowed to know, right? Um, you're allowed to know that your prescription costs you $20 or your office visit with your doctor costs you $40. Um, but you're not allowed to know the true cost of it, of how much it's costing the health plan at your employer group. Um, and the, that's been debated uh, a lot in uh, politics and uh, just really every, every line uh, where, you know, they're calling for more transparency. And it's really uh, one of the biggest problems in America because, uh, like you had mentioned, you know, we don't buy anything uh, without knowing what the price and the quality is. You know, we buy on Amazon and we're looking at those reviews. We're looking at that price 
And uh, we're, we're basing our decisions off of that. Well, in healthcare, we only know what our copay is. We don't know the actual cost. And then that actual cost relates to those premiums going up every single year, uh, like you had just mentioned. So having a, having a doctor bill is, or a hospital bill is really just a delayed premium increase. Uh, and that happens over time. Um, so the only way to um, keep from having a delayed uh, medical increase or, or premium increase is um, to have transparency. Uh, so the, the, the million dollar question, Philip, is really how do you get transparency, right? Uh, if you were to call Blue Cross Blue Shield up and say, hey, I'm looking for the best knee surgeon in the area um, because you know I want high quality care. Uh, they would say, hey, Philip, I'm so sorry. Thanks for calling, but I'm so sorry that we're contractually obligated to not tell you that information. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you have to go by the world on the street, your neighbors, right? Uh, what do they say? Because um, yeah. if you try to Google it, nothing happens. Uh, sure. So transparency is huge. Yeah. And I mean, just to kind of expand upon that, I mean, think about the uh, who has the actual data is them. They have the data or access to the data to see, all right, this guy did a thousand knee replacements and this other doctor did a thousand. And let's look at the stats on how quickly the, you know, you look at readmission, look at, uh, you know, you know, all the stats that they could break down age of patients, recovery time, that to that all down the line. And that would be something that to me, uh, as a guy who thinks kind of analytically and loves that data in order to improve a, uh, a situation would be something that I hope at least they're sharing with the doctors. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the insurance company definitely has that information. Uh, the doctors have that information. And if the patients had that information, then we could actually be responsible with our health care, right? Yeah, um, no one's given it to you. Um, yeah. So you know, that's, that, that's, that's key. I mean, we, that's what we do with our clients is we bring that data all the way down to the employee level. The employee wow. calls in, they find out exactly who the best in the area is. And, you know, you know, Philip, one of the, one of the very interesting things about quality is that quality does not equal price. Okay. So you mentioned the guy who does a thousand knee replacements. He's going to be the best at his field because he only does knees. He doesn't do shoulders. He doesn't do elbows. He only does knees, so he's going to be the best. And when you get the best, they become very efficient at what they're doing, sure. which also makes them the most affordable. So in healthcare, you would think the most expensive treatment is actually uh, the highest quality, and that's completely incorrect. It's quite opposite. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the most affordable option is actually the guy who is the best at that particular job. Wow. I really love what you're saying because you articulate a, a thought that I have had for a very long time in my head about, um, you know, you know, everybody wants a deal, right? And uh, yeah. so they think, oh, yeah, my brother-in-law can do that. And that's, that's uh, you know, and, and you start going down that road and really there's something he forgot or it took too long or it didn't come out exactly right. It's because he doesn't do it day in and day out to where he has become efficient. And it, it really slides in very nicely with the, with, I've been working a lot on operational maturity level and it's in simple terms for a business, that just means that you're going to have more predictable, more consistent outcomes. 
and you get that by processes and you know not being too broad being into a, a narrow process which would also increase your scalability and it would um it would increase your actual um profitability because you're not going to have a wasted movement if you will in the process so that everything works well so i kind of ran off on a tangent on you there but i wanted to say that out loud because you just really hit something that i am very much in in uh in training and thought process on so all right so tell me about the main components of health insurance who uh you know who are they and how do they differ from let's just say uh, your homeowner's insurance, or if you could make some, con uh, you know, some contrasting statements about that would help, I think, our listeners. Yeah, so a lot of times we look at health insurance as, hey, if I pay my premium, that's my nut that I've got to pay every single month, and then I don't have to worry about it after that, right? Of course, we have deductibles and co-insurance and co-pays and all that kind of stuff, but um, when, when we're looking at health insurance, They've done a really good job of packaging it together in a nice retail package and sticking it on the shelf for you and making it very easy for you to purchase said package, right? When you start looking at and you start opening it up and you start peeling back those layers, you find four main components with inside of a health insurance plan. The first one's going to be the insurance part, the underwriters, okay? They're the ones taking the risk um, and they, they're in it to make money. They're not, they're not a nonprofit. Uh, they need to make sure they charge you enough premium um, to be able to cover your claims and for them to make a 20% profit. Uh, the second one's going to be your TPA or third-party administrator. Their job is to make sure that the plan runs really smoothly. Where are the claims coming from? Where do they pay out money to? Um, they're really the quarterback of the team. They're very, very crucial in your health plan. Um, having a good third-party administrator uh, could mean the world of whether or not you get a 15% increase next year or you get a decrease. Uh, very, very important. Uh, the next one's going to be your broker or consultant. Uh, now, the job of the broker is to be able to reduce your costs and because they're going to go to market and shop your benefits. They're going to look at your health insurance. Um, unfortunately, the, the problem there, though, is that they're paid a commission based off of the overall cost of the plan. And since healthcare goes up every year, so does their paycheck. So that brings in the whole issue of misaligned incentives of, well, are they really representing me or are they representing the insurance company? Um, so that's kind of a conflict that, you know, only you can be, you, you as a business owner have to address. Uh, the fourth component is, is really low hanging fruit and can make a huge impact on your health plan. And that's your pharmacy benefit manager, or what they call a PBM, okay? The pharmacy benefit manager is kind of the godfather when it comes to pharmacy. Um, it's the guy between the manufacturer and you as the employee. And they get to determine what the price is of that drug. And they get to set their own uh, cost containment strategies, what they like to call them. Um, but at the end of the day, they control the market. And there's only three really, really big ones in the United States. Uh, Cigna has a Express Scripts, Optum, uh, RX, um, and then CVS Caremark. Um, all, all total, uh, they own about 80% of the entire market in the United States. So most likely, you're with one of those three right now. Um, sure. But they're also the most expensive because they're paid based off of a percentage of the drug cost. 
which they set. <laughs> so wow. if you weren't able, yeah. So they set their own price and, and then they make a percentage of that on a discount that you're not allowed to see. So again, it's hidden information, not transparent. So who, who um, regulates these guys? Yeah. So technically it's regulated by ERISA law. Um, just like your 401k is very, very heavily regulated, right? And you've got to be careful where the money's coming and going. And, you know, you have a fiduciary responsibility to that 401k. Those rules were also written for group health plans. Uh, it's just that those plans, those laws have never been enforced. And that's due to uh, lobbying efforts uh, by the big insurance companies in D.C., unfortunately. Wow. You know, this kind of stuff, I'll be honest with you, I think I've got a a good bit of redneck in me and it just pisses me off whenever yeah. you know you get to these things and it's like you know i'll go to uh public uh education it's a hot topic right now same kind of a thing it's like you know and they said it out loud even recently that you know you don't belong in in the decisions on what your children are going to be uh taught I think a linchpin that would change the world is if they came to some voucher system and it's like, look, you get X amount of money to educate your children. And, you know, here, here's your portion that we're paying, you know, that we're paying anyway, here it is. You go spend it how you want. All of a sudden the marketplace is going to, uh, is going to look a lot different. And I think in some way, that's got to happen in health insurance because there's got to be some level. That's why I wanted you on the program is because there's got to be some level of, of education and there's got to be some level of pressure put on people to say, look, bro, I want to know how much this really costs because all I know is it costs me more every year. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and the good news though, Philip, is that who controls the money? in healthcare. If I were to ask you that question, who would you say that is? Who would you think controls the money in healthcare? Uh, let me think about it. Of those four components that you spoke of? Nope, actually one that's not. Okay. Well, I mean, who's actually giving them the money? I mean, I got to choose which healthcare program I went with. So I'm a business owner. I chose that for my company, but in, in a lot of ways, um, so I would say me, but I'm going to say, but I chose within uh, the available, the viable available options that were in this marketplace. And of course, we all know that in Southern Alabama, probably all of Alabama, Blue Cross Blue Shield is the uh, thousand pound gorilla. Absolutely. Yeah, they are. They, you know, they own 90% plus of the market there. And it's very difficult for other insurers to come in. And, and you're right, you are the linchpin, you control healthcare, you control the funds. So as the employer, uh, you're the purse strings of healthcare. And so in order to demand transparency, we need more employers to say, hey, this enough is enough. I'm tired of paying some uh, unknown price from a discount from an unknown starting price, which is a network, by the way. Um, and I demand transparency. Matter of fact, I have a fiduciary responsibility compared to ERISA law to do that. So give me my data. I want to know what I'm spending. Um, and in, in, in Alabama, just to be a little bit more specific in Blue Cross, um, in a self-funded scenario, you can actually switch out your pharmacy benefit management um, plan. So you don't have to use their pharmacy benefit manager. Um, they use a, 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 what I like to call a white label 
organization, um, Prime Therapeutics, which they have a ownership entity in. Uh, but really that Prime Therapeutics, just all the work is done by the big three. Uh, so uh, it's just a, a way for them to generate additional revenue. But, yeah, it sounds yeah. like, uh, you know, it sounds like what I would, you know, call double dipping. And Absolutely. most of the time when you start double dipping, it's, you know, from a, uh, it's either illegal in most industries, it's either illegal or it's definitely unethical. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, and it all comes down to the perception of what healthcare is. So in the beginning of our conversation, you asked me what I did and how I help people. Um, one of the first questions that we ask employers is what is the purpose of healthcare at your organization? Uh, you know, some of them will say, well, you know, we have to be competitive against, you know, our uh, competitors to bring in the best talent, recruiting, retention. Um, some of them will say, well, our employees just expect it, right? It's entitlement, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a, I hear, a privilege, it's a right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I hear, I hear the gamut, but what we got to do is we've got to figure out, okay, well, what is our philosophy as a corporation? Why do we offer healthcare, right? To keep what people healthy, purpose? to make them right. uh, have a better quality of life. or Right, you know, have a better quality of life. They're working better. They're more efficient at their job. They're supplying for their families because you care about your employees because they're the biggest asset to your corporation. So yep. yeah, those are, those are some of the main purposes. And when you start driving home on what is the main purpose, now you can start building your health plan to formalize that goal, to meet that goal, right? So if I were to ask you to give you a case in point, who is your healthcare provider? A lot of people say, well, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Well, in fact, Blue Cross Blue Shield provides zero healthcare. Your doctor provides the healthcare, yeah, right? right? It's kind of like right saying, well, what kind of car do you drive? Well, I drive a Geico, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody says that, right? So um, why do we think that we have to go through Blue Cross Blue Shield in order to get healthcare? Why can't we uh, just go buy it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I had a plan before, you know, I'll use just layman terms, Obamacare came along and it had a $10,000 copay. Yep. And it was literally uh, 50% of the cost of a plan, but it had a $10,000 copay. I was saving like 600 bucks a month. I did the quick math. I said, all right, 600 bucks a month. I divided by 10,000. And I said, okay, I'll be net net ahead after this many months. And I put a little fund in there and I started diverting uh, 600 bucks a month over into this fund. Once it reached 10,000, I was like, cool. Now I get to save $600 a month. And, you know, it's kind of like self-funding uh, yeah. and, you know, I kind of understand risk. I do understand risk and I kind of understand uh, health insurance. So basically I self-funded the first $10,000 of, of a policy and I loved it. It was perfect. It had, uh, it was everything that I wanted in a plan. It had, if I had to go have a major surgery, I was covered, but, you know, to go to the doctor, I just pulled out of my pocket but net net, it was, uh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question of how do we fund healthcare? Um, we've been asking that question for decades. Unfortunately, that's not the right question. The, the, the right question should be, how do I buy healthcare? That's mm -hmm. really the best question to ask. And, and, and here's the reason why, and I hate to throw this back at you, but I just got to be very transparent with the audience. It, it's, it's the factor of, okay. Um, I know that I have a premium. I know that I can consume this healthcare. This is my deductible, right? 
But what happens, like you just said, if I just bump up my deductible to $10,000 and now I can save this money per month, companies have been doing this funding of healthcare for many, many years, decades with self-funding, right? And it's not working. Self-funding is not a strategy, okay? Um, we've been doing that for, for a long time. You've got over 60% of Americans who get their healthcare through a self-funded health plan, but yet healthcare as a whole keeps going up every year. So obviously it's not working. Right. Yeah. We don't we don't need to fund healthcare. It's all about how do we consume healthcare? That's okay. the question. So if we take our focus off, off of an insurance product and put it to a healthcare solution, that's when you save. That's when you can truly consume healthcare. So that's really what we're about. We're all about, hey, let's stop filling the void with another insurance insurance product for a healthcare issue. We need a healthcare solution for a healthcare issue. And that's what solves the problem. Case in point, uh, recently we had a gentleman uh, and a client in Pennsylvania who uh, needed a sh shoulder uh, rotator cuff um, repair. And on the network, it was going to cost 100, or excuse me, the plan was going to cost, the procedure was going to cost $150,000. But on the plan, because it was a network, he got a discount. It was only going to be $90,000. Woohoo, that's exciting, right? Sure. Because <laughs> you're part of the network. Uh, we were able to find a, a surgeon that had much better safety ratings than the one he was originally scheduled with and was able to get that repair done for $9,000 out the door. Wow. That's the surgeon, the facility, the anesthesiologist. By the way, if you've ever priced an anesthesiologist, nobody will take less than 20K just for that guy alone, right? So um, that's the power of healthcare when you actually are working with high quality physicians and high quality facilities. They'll work with you. They, matter of fact, they would rather take less money and get paid fast directly from you than have to go through the insurance company. So sure. it works really, really well for yeah. them too. You got to have staff. You got to have all kind of components, software, everything to to work that system to get paid, and then to wait, and then to argue and fight. I work with a lot of medical facilities, so I'm very familiar with, uh, you know, the uh, HL7 interfaces is was the big term. Now I think it's probably an API, but any in any regard, uh, I'll give you an example of me personally. I hurt my shoulder, and uh, so I'm like, okay, you know. Uh, so they take me in for an x-ray. Well, I don't have a broken bone. It's soft tissue, you know, something. So that didn't show anything. So then it was ultimately go through PT first, you know, physical therapy. And again, I thought this deal was between me and my doctor. My doctor's like, yeah, we need to have a CT scan in order to see what's going on. But they wanted me to put me through physical therapy first. Well, you know, my time is money, brother. Right. Uh, you send me off to, to PT two days a week. And even though physical therapy is like maybe an hour, it's going to take me at least an hour and a half worth of drive time. It breaks my day up. It messes everything up. And if you take my W-2, you know, the earnings I make a year and divide it by 2,080 hours, that's a damn fortune. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not bragging or anything like that, but I mean, that's just the reality of where I'm at. And I'm so, so I have to go, you know, and they're like, yeah, well, CT scans are expensive. Well, I go to a private guy who does it. It's 300 bucks. That's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. We work with one of our, our vendors and I'll give some free consulting advice, which I normally don't do, especially in a recorded setting. But <laughs> one of our uh, favorite vendors is green imaging for imaging needs. 
And uh, we've got a contract with them, which gives us access to direct contracts around the country. And we access MRIs all the time for $300, $500. And that's a yeah. reasonable amount of profit for the imaging center because their cost is about a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. So if their cost is a hundred bucks and they're making 500% margin, yeah. right? That's still really, really good for them. Uh, but if you were to claim that under Blue Cross Blue Shield, right? You start at 2000, now you're down to 1600 and you're still paying three times more than what you could have paid if you walked in with cash. All right. So the next logical question to me is who gets to keep that money? Is the doctor making more? Uh, yeah, so, is, yeah. Who's making more in that scenario? Uh, both uh, the doctor, the hospitals are making more. Um, and so is the insurance company. Um, and the insurance company, um, and I have to explain this because this one thing, Philip, is the linchpin to why healthcare is such a mess in America. Okay. In 2010, there was a rule passed in Obamacare called the MLR rule, the minimum loss ratio, which said that insurance company could only keep 20 cents of every dollar of premium that came in. 80 cents had to go to claims. So in order for them to make more money, claims needed to go up. Oh, wow. All you have to do is look at their stock prices since March of 2010 to now, and you'll realize that that sector has outpaced every other sector in the entire stock market. So for when you're talking about the MR, MR, having an MRI done, both entities are making more money. You have the doctor making more money because the insurance company's like, hey, can you raise your prices so we can make more? And then the hospital's like, sure, we'll raise our prices. What do you want them to raise to? And then we're going to negotiate a discount off of that raised artificially priced, but we're not going to tell Philip what that discount is. Is that fair to you? No, no because absolutely. you hired Blue Cross Blue Shield to, to, to negotiate that discount on your behalf. <laughs> so, wow. uh, yeah. so the question there is, is own... how long are we going to deal with this? You know? Yeah. And ultimately you think, oh, who cares? But no, I do care because in our, you know, uh, organization, our uh, employees pay a portion of their uh, healthcare costs. And I pay a portion, so I'm. It's costing me more money. It's costing the employee more money. But I just think people don't know how to get their hands on it. You know, they don't know how to how to. You know, it's so mysterious that it's like, you know, where do I grab a hold of this thing and 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 wrestle it to the ground? I just need to to figure out, you know, who do I need to go after, kind of thing. Right. Right. Well, the the key is is. How do you lower the frequency and severity of claims? That's the number one question that you have to solve. And if your broker is paid a commission on premiums that are tied to increasing those claims, then they're not going to be working throughout the year to lower those claims. They're just mm -hmm. not. So they're going to write your insurance. They'll talk to you every quarter just to kind of keep you happy. But really, at the end of the year, they're just like, hey, see you in 12 months for renewal, right? So let me give your audience a really great um, solution. There's uh, an organization that we're a part of called Mitigate Partners. Um, if they go to mitigatepartners.com, they can look up 30 different brands, and we are one of the 30 different brands. Hire one of those organizations, okay? They will look out for your best interests. They're not going to put their commissions uh, above your interests. Matter of fact, they don't make commissions. We don't believe in that. We believe in working directly for the employer, not for the, any insurance companies that are out there. 
So um, those 30 firms, I, I would highly recommend any one of them. Uh, great, great organization. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, again, that sounds like free market and competitive uh, uh, place where somebody's going to say, listen, you want to, you want to, you know, let me help you. Let's balance. The, it's really, it's called value in my, uh, in my world where let me give you a service or, or whatever. And, you know, in this case, I'd be balancing the quality of the healthcare with the amount that I'm paying for it, maybe the speed at which I can get it, you know, something like that. There'd be some formula that you would look at to say, all right, this is a good deal. Uh, you know, good, fast, cheap, pick any two, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, something like that, you know, is the way my mind would go to. And I would try to say, you know, what am I giving up if I go this way? And, you know, again, let people get involved with the options that they're taking, because right now I feel like, uh, you know, almost, uh, you know, I always say never be a victim. Victims get eaten. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, so that's very good advice right there. So I think we've kind of explored enough to have everybody's head swimming, Mark. Uh, it sounds <laughs> it's a, like it's a big subject. <laughs> it really is. And it's a subject like we spoke about that, you know, I consider myself, I'm, I'm very uh, curious and I'm, I'm looking into a lot of things all the time. And uh, this is one of those subjects that, you know, I don't even know which end to mount. You know, it's so vast and so kind of you know hidden is the way right. it feels yeah and because uh, it is and it absolutely is hidden and we need transparency there there's actually organizations like the free market uh medical um set up for that we in just pensacola just a few months ago we had doctors come and have a an event here in pensacola for free um market medical rights um and that is a huge piece so we have great doctors. We have great hospitals. Um, I think of uh, DeSoto Memorial Hospital in, in, um, in, in South Florida. I think of um, the Oklahoma Surgical Center. Um, these, these are organizations that are saying, hey, we are transparent. Here's our, here's our pricing, but also here's our quality metrics. And you can go to their website. Go, go to the Oklahoma Surgical Center's website and, and, and just click on the shoulder surgery that you had. Philip, and, and it'll tell you exactly how much that would have cost out the door, anesthesiologists, everything. Wow. And if, can I get that information right now with, in, within the, the network I'm in right now? Can, will, do they have to tell me that? They do not have to tell you that. Matter of fact, uh, that's under gag clauses that they have. They're contractually obligated to not tell you that inside the network. Now, if you go to your surgeon outside of your network and you say, hey, how much would it cost for this? then they can tell you. But if you show them your Blue Cross Blue Shield card, they got they, they can't tell you. No, no, and talk about it. This sounds like, uh, I mean, honestly, you know, again, um, it's not like corruption to me. I mean, that's the types of words. And I know I'm very much, a, I'm a word guy and I, I like to, uh, you know, be precise. Uh, but that's the word that comes to mind. It's like almost like insider trading or hidden, uh, which often leads to, you know, things corrupt when there's no light. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's the, yeah. uh, that's the that's kind it. of, a, that's it. And, and there was light shed on uh, a lawsuit um, that happened. That was actually, um, I guess, featured by 60 minutes. And um, it was a, an employer 
who was suing a very large insurance company. And the defense of the insurance company says, yeah, but in our contract, it says we are not fiduciary obligated to lower your cost. And, and, and that was their defense. So read your contract, um, know what you're signing up for. They send you a 50 page document every year at renewal. And we just hit sign, right? We never read them. Um, and, and just, well, just look at most it. people, quite honestly, you know, Mark, most people are not qualified to read them. I had to work in cybersecurity a lot and they, you know, there is a lot of things that then they're not 50 pages for sure that they're asking more and more questions for cybersecurity questionnaires. And even a two page document, they're sending them to me to answer for them because, you know, we don't know what we don't know. That's right. That's right. And, yeah. uh, and yet it's still buyer beware. Yep. Yep. Two, yep. two things that, you know, the audience can check out. One is on Netflix called The Pharmacist. Very interesting uh, documentary there. Um, talking about a, a gentleman who uh, started started realizing what the pharmacy world was uh, doing and uh, how it started even threatening his own life, and another one on HBO called The Crime of the Century, uh, another another great documentary uh, talking about the opioid crisis. So um, I'll, I'll I'll leave you with this, Bill. Um, there's one book that every employer has to read, and that's called The CEO's Guide to Restoring. The American Dream, The CEO's Guide to Restoring the American Dream. And that's written by Dave Chase. Uh, you can pick it up on Amazon. It's a quick read. It's very easy to read. And it will really, really open up your mind on how to control healthcare at your organization. That's very, very, very helpful. Well, Mark, uh, again, man, this has been really eye-opening and almost, um, you know, uh, it kind of makes me want to do something, makes me, it drives me to action. How can people, um, you know, get in touch with you specifically if they want to, you know, learn more about what you do and kind of maybe try to get more of a handle on their uh, current situation? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so our website is cbghealthplan.com. And uh, my email address is mark at cbghealthplan.com. And uh, our phone number here is 251-399-13. And we're happy to help. We typically do just a preliminary analysis first for free to see if you're a candidate for the value that we bring uh, because we don't want to waste the employer's time or our time. And once we determine if it is a good fit, then we move forward with an offer from there Um, that does have guarantees, by the way. So we guarantee all of our clients a 10 to 1 return of investment which nobody does in this industry. So I look forward to talking with anybody who might need, or, or just if you have a quick question or a simple question, feel free to reach out and uh, we'll do the best we can to help you. Well, great. So it's Mark at CBG, Charlie Bravo and G is golf. Yes. Charlie Bravo golf health.com. It's uh, Mark at CBG health plan.com. So health okay, plan. Health plan. All right. Well, thank you. Well, listen, Mark, you definitely uh, have a lot of uh, very valuable information, I think, for the listeners and for business owners in general. And uh, I appreciate your time. I know it's valuable. And uh, we thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Philip. Have a great day. It's time to go inside Philip's head. Thoughts of the month. My thought of the month, I want to talk about the ability to get things done. What we see, of course, is that the year is coming to an end and there's going to be a lot of people that are making New Year's resolutions. And they're really going to 
be making um, not really a resolution, but maybe like a New Year's wish and, you know, or maybe a New Year's dream. And, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, it's kind of cold hearted, I guess, but, you know, dreams happen at night and, you know, they're not going to turn into realities. And I just encourage people to really think through what they really want to accomplish and start from the point of why do they want to accomplish it. And hopefully they could find some motivation there that, you know, that could say, I want to accomplish this because. And with that, the because is what's going to give the fuel to make the actual resolution happen. I want to end with this. This is a, a statistic that I was uh, I just learned uh, in doing some research for thinking like an owner class that I taught. But this is uh, from the American Society of Training and Development. They did a study on accountability, and they found that you have a 65% chance of completing a goal if you commit that goal to someone else. And if you have a specific accountability appointment with the person that you've committed, you will increase your chance of success by up to 95%. So I think whenever we're thinking about setting New Year's goals, we need to set a goal that has a real powerful why to it. And then we need to get somebody that we can... Uh, hold us accountable to it and then even set timelines we call them you know milestones if it's going to be something that's going to take a little bit of work you know and most new year's resolutions really would take a, a bit of work and they're not going to have uh immediate response you know or immediate results and so get somebody that can hold you accountable to it and set some appointments whenever you're setting the resolution Go ahead and you know, set it with a real why, then set it with an accountability partner, and then even set dates and times on the calendar as to when things are going to happen, particular milestones that you can meet with that person so that you're going to have a 95% of actually having a meaningful New Year's resolution for 2022. Hope this is helpful, guys. I hope you're having a great month, and I'll talk to you soon. Go out and make it happen. You've been listening to Success Failed with Philip Long. Check out AskBIS.com, brought to you by BIS.